I'm really excited about this series. I think it's a series that is, uh, I'm, I'm designing it specifically for these three groups of people. I'm designing it for husbands and for wives and for singles. That should cover it, right? So I hope that you're one of, one of those and it's going to be, you could be struggling in marriage, it's for you. You could be enchanted with your marriage, it's for you. You could be disillusioned, it's for you. All of this is going to be for you and I hope that you will learn in this process because it's a really exciting series together. Imagine, um, we're going to be in this only four weeks, so there's many, many facets we could focus on, but we're going to be focusing on four facets. So picture a box. We're going to focus on a vow aspect, a dimension on the bottom of the box, and that's going to be today. We're going to build sides to that box. This is two-dimensional. And build a top to the box as we just treasure all of the many good gifts that God gives us through uh, marriage, even if you're single, and we're going to see that together. Now, I want to begin kind of a strange way. I want to show you a photo. <clears throat> I want you to know that um, this was over 36 and a half years ago. This is not our wedding photo. This was taken on Gina's birthday. It was really sneaky. On her birthday, 36 and a half years ago, I said, let's, all dr let's dress up. Let's go out on one of those dress-up dates. And she said, yeah, that sounds good. And then we got in the car, and then we drove down the coast of California from Santa Barbara where we were going to school together. And then there was the sun was setting. And we went off to the beach, and we looked at the setting sun. I pulled out a box with memories from our dating, and then I popped the question, and she said, yes, and it was so exciting. <laughs> Believe it or not, I did not colorize this photo. They had color photos way back then, all right, so. <clears throat> now, here's what I want to say. I'm not building this series based on my great experience and I have all this to offer. That is not it at all. I am building this series on a gracious and wonderful God who gives us anchor truths and grace for an amazing possibility of a fulfilled marriage and all the beauty that comes with that. And I want to just tell you this. After, well, so on our birthday, sneaky we were engaged, and then we had this long engagement. I don't recommend the long engagement for 364 days, but who's counting? And then got married, all right? And then, so we are approaching now our 36th anniversary. I love my sweet wife, Gina, more deeply and more now than then, than that day of proposal. And all of that because a good and gracious God and a good and gracious wife um, it, it allowed this to continue in the place of blessing. And those are the secrets I want to share. Oh, by the way, there is no such thing as a perfect marriage because there is no such thing as a perfect spouse. You might think, well, that works for you because you're a preacher, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I was the problem, okay? <laughs> And everybody has a next step because nobody has arrived. And so every marriage has a next step. And if you're in the middle of a struggle, be encouraged. Fight for your marriage. If I'm going to give you tools to rebuild, to re be restored, to be encouraged, and God is going to get the glory. And so that's kind of just uh, setting the tone a little bit. Today, the vow that we're looking at is the vow of priority. The vow of priority. If you were here at the beginning of the service, you heard that Jesus said the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God. That's the top priority. 
And then the secondly, to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're going to see how those priorities kind of affect the whole thing about the vow. Here's where I'd like to begin. Number one, who is your number one? I already kind of cheated and cued you. Who is your number one? But here's the thing about our culture. We've been training our little princesses, and I have multiple princesses in grandchildren form right now. They watch the Disney shows, and they read the Disney books, and they can't wait to meet Mr. Right, Prince Charming, because that person's going to come along, and then all the boys go, ew, and all the girls go, yeah, although they get kind of sheepish about it, and they can't wait for that day to finally meet their number one, and the rest of the culture kind of complies and romance novels and romance books and romantic songs all promote the idea that you're going to someday meet number one and fall in love and it's all going to come together and some of the languages and I have now I have this soulmate (laughs) who completes me all right I believe that's a myth Okay? And even if I didn't believe that's a myth, I would never preach, look for that number one. Here's why. As soon as you make it through your honeymoon, it might have only been the first 30 minutes, as soon as you make it through your honeymoon and you hit reality and things get stressful, here's the thing. Marriage has that stressful reality. I don't want you to go, oops, I married the wrong one. Okay? And that's the temptation that hits Every marriage, if you think the way that it works is find the right one and then it all comes together and then you have eternal bliss happily ever after, here we go, okay? It doesn't work like that. There's a lot more to it. Who is your number one? That isn't it. Here's one of the reasons why. A spouse that is idolized is ultimately demonized. Let me explain. If your spouse is the one that you are placing as number one, you have just made an idol of your spouse because only God can be your number one. We have not been designed to be so satisfied in every way by any other person. That's way too much to put on somebody, and yet we try. Only our maker can fully satisfy our needs, not our mate. Don't put that on your mate. It's like, I have a Grand Canyon of needs, please fill me. Get away, (laughs) right? That doesn't work, it doesn't, and so, but we still think, I found the one, it's so great. He's so easygoing and laid back and really helps me because I'm so driven and he kind of helps me kind of relax. Then you get married and then he's at the couch watching football and you go, All he does is watch football. He won't mow the lawn. Wait a minute. So which is it? You thought it was so wonderful that he's so laid back, easygoing, and then you get married and you think, he is, I hate him. He's so laid back and easygoing. You just demonize the idol, right? (laughs) Flip it around. She's so amazing. She's so organized. She's so motivated. And then you get married. I can't stand her. She keeps telling me what to do and how to fix it. Right? Right? So we see this thing that we idolize, it works until it doesn't work, and then we demonize the idol. That's a problem. And the problem all starts with placing them in the number one spot. A picture is worth a thousand words, and so we're going to begin there. This is a picture of marriage as it ought to be. Now, I'm going to do some digital magic, okay? And it's delayed, so here we go. 
catching up to me, catching up to me, catching up to me. All right. Have you ever noticed that husbands and wives are different? Oh, you have. Just in case you didn't chuckle and you didn't notice that, look again. All right? Husbands and wives are different. When you get married, you've made a vow before God in front of witnesses and promises, and now God is actually part of this thing in a godly marriage. He designed it, and he wants to be a part of it. Now, if you are looking at each other's differences and you experience some friction, that's normal. I even think it's by design. The differences are there. It creates some friction. That dynamic helps us to grow. Just by way of illustration, you get this one for free because the other services didn't get it, and I'm running out of time, so I've got to talk really fast. If you're on a car on ice, you don't go anywhere because of no friction, right? <laughs> friction is what is a dynamic where you can grow in it. So I'm going to just talk this through. Usually, when I want a mate to fulfill all my needs, I focus on the mate's character flaws, how she's not doing this. And I need this and I need that. Do you notice my focus? Your character deficiency, my needs. Focus, right? And it goes flip-flop, back and forth. Wait a minute, you're not that, uh, uh, and I'm not, uh, 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 okay? You fill in the words because you've had these crazy cycles. You know how this works. I've been through it a million times. And this picture says, you're doing it wrong. Don't focus on each other that way. It'll never work. Focus on God. And then when you do, instead of focusing on that person meeting your needs, focus on God meeting your needs. And then you can serve the other person's needs. It flips it completely upside down. Here's what God does. He gives us the grace and his power and his spirit. And then he fills you with love, joy, and peace. This is a fruit of the spirit now, which enables you to be patient, which is a forbearance for other people's faults. Then you have gentleness, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, self-control that come out of your life. You're able to bless the other person because you're looking to God for your character flaws and trying to figure out how to serve her needs. Okay? That's beautiful. What happens then is the friction lines grow smoother and smoother and smoother as you're going up, growing individually closer to God. That friction diminishes and the distance you feel between each other gets smaller. It's a glorious paradigm that God put in his design on purpose. You don't get very far before you see some of the elements of this and the revelation that comes from God. So Genesis 1, here's what we read. The, then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Oh, that's weird. God, singular? No, it's actually a plural world. Let us make mankind in our image. Okay, so this is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is a unity, one, but a plurality relationship. Now we're going to create a unity in plurality as a reflection of who we are. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So we're going to start with this interesting quote. I hope you enjoy it. I believe it's true. Isn't it crazy that we can be crazy about each other and yet drive each other crazy? Okay, that's true for me. And it all, it's just like, oh wow, that is so true. I love her more than ever, but I don't fully get her. Now, I want to go into that a little bit. 
okay? Here's what I think is happening. Now, I totally believe that individuals are created to reflect who God is as well, and you can be fulfilled in that reflection. Don't feel like you're a half person if you're single and never gonna get married, okay? But in marriage, there's a reflection of God's multifaceted dimension of who he is that's embedded into my wife, Gina, that's not embedded in the same way in my life. Here's a little snapshot. My kids love their dad. But they have no idea why. They love their dad because their mom coaches me. (laughs) I'm like, I would be relationally, if I didn't have a coach. Here's why. Gina's been embedded with the nurturing characteristics of God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Nurture, 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 and family is like built into the fabric of her identity. Not me, man. I'm warrior, conqueror, workman. I'm expanding my kingdom. I will provide for you. And then, stop crying. You need to become a worker. She goes, uh, come alongside and hug him. Oh, need a hug? That's Gina. Not me. Not built in. So she just coaches, coaches, coaches. My kids love me for it. Don't tell them. It's all Gina. See, in the Bible, it says that I'm the head of the household. I have become so convinced that really, if that's true, Gina is the heart of our household. And she's coaching me on it. Okay, see? So I have these positive characteristics that she can learn from. I don't know what they are yet, and that's not for me to tell. She could tell you about it, but I don't. And I am telling you about her positive characteristics that help me. Together, we're able to reflect the glory of God more beautifully than alone. And God designed that it should work that way. Point number two, marriage reflects God. Now let's jump into what Paul has to say about this. And this gets weird, I'll just warn you, but let's start here. Paul quotes, as he's writing to the Ephesian church, he quotes from Genesis when he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I kind of like the King James Version because it rhymes. That's a good reason to like a version, right? In the King James Version, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave. Leave and cleave. See the rhyme? I like it. I can remember it. Leave and cleave, but we're missing one, so we've got to make a rhyme up here. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united. There's the cleave, and the two will become one flesh. Let's see, rhyme with leave and cleave. Okay, let's go with weave. There it works. Okay, so I love it. We leave, we cleave, and we enjoy weaving. <laughs> and as we weave, we make little rugs. <laughs> and we call, we call them little rug rats. Oh, this marriage bed thing is phenomenal. You've designed some joy here, God. I like it. All right, now, I get a little red talking about this stuff, so sorry, and that's why I create these things that are sort of distancing from other words where children are in the room, and so you can kind of have to jump along with me. Now, this is really wild because we see an amazing thing here, and then it gets weird. Here's the next thing that Paul adds. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church, and you go, What? I thought we were just talking about weaving. What does that have to do with Christ and the church? It's like embarrassing. What a, what a, the church doesn't have anything to do with that. Yes, it does. What are you talking about? Let's just talk this through a little bit. Jesus Christ left his father, left glory in heaven, 
He went down, down, down to earth and stepped down into humility. He laid his life down to serve and rescue what would be his bride. And as he rescues his bride, he says, see how much I love you? See how much I serve you? Will you be mine? And she says, yes. And here we are. We are church. And we have become his bride. What about this weaving thing? That's really weird. Okay, here, see if you can go with me. When the marriage bed is protected by covenant vows, it's a beautiful thing. When the marriage bed is protected by covenant vows and it's for each other only, it's sacred, it's holy, it's naked and unashamed. Okay? Now, in this room, now let's not get really weird. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking spiritually and relationally. Church is the place of all places on earth where we should experience that it's okay to be naked and unashamed, where you know every flaw, if that's where you go with it. In a small group, you just express your flaws. Here's my issue, here's my thing, I'm really struggling here. And rather than being judged and harshly pushed off, I can't believe you're wicked. Instead, in the church, I have issues too, and my Savior died for me, and he loved me unconditionally. And so I am not judging you. I'm not being harsh with you. I'm welcoming you. We are both together. Yes, we're naked. But there's no shame because we're covered by the grace of God with what Jesus did. And this profound mystery of it's okay to be loved and unperfect, that's where we live in marriage, and that's where we're to live here in church. It is okay to be unperfect and still embraced. I will love you unconditionally. I'm still your brother. I'm walking life with you. I have issues too, and I'm forgiven. You're forgiven. Let's look to God. This is wild and good stuff. Point number three. Ego makes excuses. Love makes a way. So, Let's talk this through. I'm going to talk this through in three ways, and it's going to be very, very pointed, and we're running out of time, so here we go. We're going to talk about husbands, we're going to talk about wives, and we're going to talk about singles. And I'm going to be pointed and confrontive with all three groups. Point number one, husbands. Are you dying to yourself? Are you dying to yourself? Here's another piece of Paul's instruction about marriage. He writes out of Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. All right, I want to be a little vulnerable with you right now, so be nice. Every day now for 14 months, I've been praying a daily prayer. I keep revising my daily prayer, but after my daily prayer, I... I specifically state out um, self-declarations that help keep me on track. I'm going to share with you one self-declaration that keeps me on track that I've prayed now for hundreds of days, and here it is. I love my wife and will lay my life down, lay down my life to serve and honor her. I state this after my prayer time every day. There's been a shift inside of me. It's not complete, but it's powerful. Here's what usually used to happen, happens a little less frequently now, where my wife, in all of her strengths and God-given abilities, 
might nudge me gently and with grace, and she might say something like, could you do me a favor and vacuum the whatever? And inside, my flesh says, I'm doing something right now. But I now, something goes off in my brain, something goes off in my soul that says, if you are truly willing to die for your wife, and here's what I believe about you men, you're, you're built for that. If an intruder comes into your house, you are a protector. You are a warrior. You go in your boxer shorts and a baseball bat, take out a guy with a gun. It doesn't matter. They're not coming to my wife. I've got you, dude. Boom. <laughs> so, hey, I died for her. That's the way I'm built. But I have trouble vacuuming for her. <laughs> Jesus is shifting something inside where it says, like, if you're willing to die for her, are you willing to live for her? Oh, yeah. I can do this. And that shift is dramatic. And life is more beautiful. It really is. Wives, I'm not going to be easy on you either. Are your actions louder than your words? God has built you with a nurture. God has built you with a temperature zone that you know the temperature of your relationship. You get it. You get relationship dysfunction better than your husband does. And you will kind of try to help him get it. And so you talk about it. And you're really good at talking. So you talk about it some more. And you're really good at talking about relationships. You want to talk about it more. And he just goes, ugh. Right? Talk, talk, talk. Let me give you some ancient advice that comes from the apostle. Peter, Peter wrote it. First Peter... Chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, this works if you're married to an unbeliever. Let's say you became a Christian. Your husband hasn't yet. This is your strategy. By the way, it works with believers as well. If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. There's a way to win them over by living it out that that sweet grace is so great they want it too. Now, I know that I've said that, but you're still really good at words, so let me coach you in your words. Here's what you don't do. If you want to destroy your relationship quickly, talk about your husband's flaws to others. If you want to destroy them really quickly, talk about your husband's flaws in front of his peers. If you want to do something amazing with your words, look for a hint of a possible shiny spot on his armor. I mean, we're talking about your knight in shining armor. You got to look for a hint of a possible shiny spot and then highlight that shiny spot to him, but even better still, to others, even best of all, in the midst of his peers. You know what I really respect about my husband? He blah, 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 blah. You know what he does? He just goes, whoa, I have a shiny spot. I'm going to buff that, and I'm going to make it bigger. And he starts shining other areas. Here's why. Ladies, you have been designed to blossom under the unconditional love expressions of your husband. If he will love you unconditionally, you just bloom. You feel loved if he loves you unconditionally. He is not designed that way. He's designed to shine when he starts to feel respect 
And when you give unconditional respect, he'll begin to buff and buff and buff and buff areas that were tarnished before. He'll start to want to shine and become your knight in shining armor because you are bringing that out in him. We are designed to respond to that. We want to be your knight in shining armor. Treat us that way and we will be that way. In my home, I use up all my words on Sunday. (laughs) That has its challenges. So there's all kinds of sides to this. Singles, here's my recommendation to you, and it's pointed. Singles, are you becoming the person the person you are looking for is looking for? Let me say that again. Singles, are you becoming the person the person you are looking for is looking for? What does that mean? Let's just go in a story, and this is actually a true story, but I'm protecting the names and the innocent and the not innocent. A gal grew up in church, She goes off to college, she walks away from faith, she starts to become the party girl. The party girl starts to have multiple relationships, um, doesn't care about what people think, not sure that God is real, but then in the process of kind of destroying her life and she doesn't think she's destroying it, she's having a grand time, she meets a guy that she thinks, wow, I would really love to have a relationship with this guy. She discovers this guy loves God. This guy wants to honor God. This guy wants... He has a great job. This guy's character is all put together. That's the kind of guy she'd like to marry. She tells her mother about it. Her mother isn't very gentle, but she's extremely kind. And she says, honey, why would a guy like that have any interest in a girl like you? Have you ever noticed that wonderful people are only attracted to somebody that is also as wonderful? Have you ever noticed that godly people are looking for godly people? If you are wanting a wonderful person to love you, you have to become that person, and you can't do it by trying harder. You have to do it by training yourself to look to God and God's grace and becoming all that God wants you to be in that grace. And as you shift and start to become good, you are preparing yourself to become that good spouse that creates a good marriage, that creates a blessed life and a family heritage. And that inheritance grows and grows and blessings are eternal in that space. All to the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who showed us how it's done and does it for us. Here's a prayer and how I'd like to end this session together. I want you to just listen at first and read along. My dear Lord Jesus, thank you for leaving glory to pursue and rescue me. You know everything about me and yet you love me and offer yourself to me in a forever covenant. I accept. I say I do. My dear Savior, help me to become the person you are looking for me to become by your grace and your spirit's transforming power. Amen. Is your marriage in trouble? This is the answer. Are you not married? This is the answer. Is your marriage doing great? This is the answer to make it even greater. None of us have arrived. Let's ask the Lord and his grace and his power to infuse us with a spirit and the fruit of the spirit that glorifies the name of Jesus Christ where everybody looks at us and says, I want that. I want to sign up. Where do you get that? You say, it's not me. I was totally messed up.
Jesus Christ rescued me. He loves me. And now I can love. Before I was hurt. And hurt people just hurt people. Now I am loved. And I have the ability to love like I never had before. Would you stand with me? If that's what you want, this is the prayer for you. Would you pray this prayer out loud with me? Ready? My dear Lord Jesus, thank you for leaving glory to pursue and rescue me. You know everything about me, and yet you love me and offer yourself to me in a forever covenant. I accept. I say I do. My dear Savior, help me to become the person you are looking for me to become by your grace and your Spirit's transforming power. Amen. Amen? All right, you might have some other prayer need that has nothing to do with marriage. You're invited for whatever prayer you need. We've got a prayer team to the right of the stage. Go ask for prayer. Get prayer today. Don't walk away if you have a need and don't get prayed for. What are your next steps? Everybody has a next step. Marriage has a next step. We have a next step. How are you going to look to God and see what that step is going to be? God bless. I'll tell you the next priority next week. See you then. God bless.